This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. The irony is, the irony is despite the millions of people who fish in Minnesota... Far fewer of them will fish in the fall, when it's probably the best time of the year to do so. Nonetheless, we'll talk about it and a recap of the summer season with Mark Pachigalupi. He is the Brainerd Area Fisheries Supervisor. We'll find out what's going on in Brainerd Lakes. That's coming up next. But first, if you love the outdoors and you're looking for ways to align your education with future employment, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is the place for you. They've got state-of-the-art technical education in six paths, automotive, building trades, business, health and child care, and manufacturing technology. It's all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a limit of walleyes begins at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. That's ntcmn.edu. Hey, I'm Jason Rylander, the Jason that can grow a beard like a grown-up, and this is Paul Bunyan Country. We are checking in with Mark Pachigalupi. He is the area supervisor out of the Brainerd Area Fisheries Office. Mark, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So we are here uh, wrapping, kind of wrapping up the year. I mean, we're really, I mean, to be honest, we're, we're getting ready for the best time of fishing, but a lot of the traffic on the waters have, have gone quite quiet because uh, people have gone home, they're back, kids are back in school, we got football games to see, we got hunting to do, so it's quiet on the lakes, although as I always talk to people about this, it shouldn't be because it, it really is one of the best times of the year to go fishing. Yeah, fall fishing can be the best time of year, uh, the water's starting to cool down into the 60s, and uh, fishing is heating up, you're seeing uh, yeah, people that are pulling their docks and getting their lifts out of the water. Uh, um, unfortunately, you know, maybe they're missing out on some of the best fishing of the year. They are indeed. Uh, but but we bring you on this time of year to just kind of give an overview of, of what you've seen out there. And I know, um, you know, you, you've had a lot of guys out of the waters uh, doing surveys on various lakes. Um, and you also keep tabs on what's going on in a lot of the waters as far as creel surveys and things of that nature. Uh, overall view... Are you satisfied with what you've seen in the Brainerd Lakes area this summer? Yeah, you know, we are a walleye-intensive area, let's be honest. I mean, band fishing is popular all over the state. Um, but, you know, people make destination-type trips for walleye fishing a lot of times. And, and, yeah, so we're seeing walleye populations that are still really good and strong on, on our uh, featured waters, our marquee waters in the area, uh, gall and pelican and... Uh, whitefish, um, but you know the bite is, has been tough. You know the indications we're seeing is that the fish are there, but uh, you know overall um, the the people that are out there spending time on the water are saying that you know the bite has been tough. There's been periods of time where it's good, um, and there's some highlights throughout the area. But yeah, um, you know that could be as a result of some higher forage amounts out there, yellow perch or or shiners out there. So that's a good thing in general. Um, we want to see walleye populations out there and, and having people catch them. Um, but at times this year, it has been tough. Well, I know we ne- we never really uh, had uh, you know a 
a, a typical summer weather pattern uh, that we that we're used to seeing. It never got real, real warm. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. How about water levels? I mean, we had uh, such low water levels last year. Did you guys recover well up there or down there? Right, uh, the kind of a drought last year, and then in parts of the state, really high water coming in again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, some areas are in a drought, and some areas were in flood. You know, there is, just seems to be no normal anymore, and I, I'd like to blame the weather on everything when fishing is poor, because it just has it has been odd, but it seems like there is no normal anymore. So maybe I shouldn't be, uh, you know, hanging my hat on that. Um uh, you know, it kind of remains to be seen as we analyze some of this data on, on what year classes are doing and if we can get a little better pulse on what the perch were for the year. Um, that might tell us the story, you know, after, you know, if, if we do kind of a little bit of a review to see what's going on there and keep, keep tabs if, if we need to adjust anything. Well, I know, you, you know, we've talked about AIS in the past, and I know there's a lot of lakes that have had zebra mussels for a number of years, so I presume a lot of changes have already occurred as far as where the fish are hanging out, but could some of it still be that adjustment of anglers to new places fish hang out because of the clearing water? Yep. In general, anglers uh, are starting to adjust. You know, I I um, I keep track of some of the walleye leagues out there, and some of the guides I, I have, uh, I'm able to get a little tidbits of information from guides out there that are out on the water an awful lot. So um, it, it's a continual learning process, <laughs> uh, but some, you know, have kind of adjusted to the new normal a lot of, in a lot of cases here for like the whitefish chain or gull or pelican or north long, you know, um, and maybe that that adjustment period is, is starting to come for North Long. That's been a particular spot where uh, there's some grumbling and really tough bite over there, and it's not clear if that's just a low population of walleyes or a combination of a tough bite combined with a low population over there. But uh, we're taking a close look at that, at, at what can be done over there. Um, but, yeah, uh, some people have adjusted. It's It's been interesting to see... Um, what those adjustments are, you'd think that uh, fish would always be pushing out deeper in the clearer water, but really um, it seems like walleyes are, are relating to weeds more and more than they, uh, or, or anglers are having to adjust their tactics so that they can fish through those weeds. Okay. Um, you mentioned, you know, maybe there's more perch out there. If that were the case, as you noted, that would be pretty good news. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't have walleyes without perch, you know, in the long run. Uh short-term periods where walleyes are high and and perch are down, that that can produce some good fishing, which is nice, but then it's not sustainable over a long period of time. So we do want conditions that are beneficial for perch. You are going to get those doldrums when you have those big perch hatches though, and there's several lakes around the area that you could say uh we're observing that. Now I'm trying to to really attach numbers to that. There's a special yellow perch project mm-hmm. uh, that I'm happy to say I've been involved with, and we're you know kind of on the front line in Brainerd here in tracking that as uh, more of a research study. And it's, uh, try and uh, attach numbers to are the perch uh, high or low or medium and, and you know, help explain like how, what's going on out there and just having a better understanding. Um. 
So explain to uh, to us what all your office is doing over the course of a summertime. I know once the ice goes out, a lot of things happen. Kind of take us through uh, that spring-summer season. Sure. Well, Brainerd area is one of the lucky areas that gets a walleye egg take in the spring. Um, we've talked about that in the past, that the Pine River walleye egg take is the second or third largest egg take in the state. Uh, the staff love doing that. We, we see a lot of fish out there, and we have a chance to to speak with the public and and do a show and tell on all those fish out there, and, and talk and again, you know, talk about fishing and biology and and ecology out there on the docks. So that's in April and May, and then those fish are, are hatching in May. We have to stock all those fish uh, right away as they hat all those walleyes as they hatch because they only have a day or two to feed on their yolk sac before they need zooplankton right in front of their mouth uh, to feed on. And that's the make-or-break period for walleye, and that's why you, you see year-class failures in some years and you see, you know, boom booms in other years is, the, is that zooplankton forage base for them right in May. Um, oh. Go ahead. Uh, what what have you seen this year? I mean, I know a lot of it's preliminary. You mentioned preliminary a couple times. But are you seeing anything that can give you an idea of where we're at, good or bad? Yeah, uh, I'm glad you asked that. This is the time of year where we start the fall electrofishing runs for young of the year walleye. And that gives us a, a, the first snapshot of how a year class may be coming together for the year, especially, you know, particularly for walleye. And uh, so, yeah, there's a there's a three month gap there where you're just you don't know and you're hoping um, mm-hmm. you're not going to catch those fish. You it's really hard to even see them. You could do some special sampling, but it's really not um, definitive. Anyways, you could catch some or not catch some, and that wouldn't mean anything. But in the fall, in some lakes in particular, you get a really good look in the, in electrofishing. And then, in fact, we're scheduling some crews to do that this week. So. We don't know yet. It's really coming out here um, in the next few weeks. All right. Well, we, 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 you mentioned walleye is king. That's a fact. But, uh, you know, there's some other uh, glamorous fish up in our neck of the woods. Bass is very, very popular. Uh, muskie is very, very popular. How are things looking with those species? Yeah, um, we've had really good bass and pike fishing this year. I've really gained a, a greater appreciation for the great bass fishing we have around here in the last few years, I'll say, because my my oldest son is uh, starting to do the high school bass fishing leagues and, uh, and tournaments. We have some really quality, you know, where you can go and catch 18 and 19 and 20-inch bass. Um, uh, not just numbers of, you know, 12, 13, 14-inchers, because we've traveled around the state a little bit and seen that, too. Um, and those are fun when you're catching lots of fish, but it's nice to to know that once in a while you're going to be able to tie into one of those big ones. Um, so bass fishing has been great this year. Pike fishing, I've heard, has been pretty good. Um, muskies out on Roosevelt are starting to come around there where you're seeing some uh, low, low to mid 40-inch fish and a couple of 50-inchers. Um, and that's a new fishery that was started in, you know, we started the stocking out there in about 2011. Okay. So, you know, 11 short years ago, that's how long it takes to <laughs> that's how long it takes to get a muskie fishery going. And so on Gull where we started in 2016, we're just starting to hear a few reports of of mid 30 inch um muskies there, you know, and not many people are targeting them yet. 
but that means that we're only a few years away from that starting to fire up. So we're excited about that. Well, I tell you, um, there are so many uh, fish to catch in this neck of the woods. I, I, I don't think we really understand what we have here. Uh, and Brainerd Lakes area is, is a great place for that. Um, even even Eelpaw, right? That's right. We uh, we have uh, one of the, the, the best areas to fish for Eelpaw in the winter. And, um, uh, you know, people will travel long distances for that, especially, uh, you know, in February when other things are uh, February, March, where you can't either fish for walleyes or, or pike or, you know, and you're looking for a big fish to be tugging on that line. That's, that's when, uh, and, and and for a lot of people, those uh, those eel pout guys, that's their favorite time of year. Well, I, I tell you, it, it's it's pretty amazing when, when you think about the sheer numbers of fish underneath our, uh, our in our lakes. Um when I talk to biologists about that and realize how many fish are actually down there, it's really amazing. It is amazing, and, and that's one of the things we're, we're wrestling with with uh, the perch study is that, okay, we're dealing with thousands of walleye. Can we, can we reliably tell what's going on with, with the walleye fishery? Well, if we're trying to tell what's going on with perch, then we're an order of magnitude or two um, higher, and we're talking hundreds of thousands or millions of fish. Can we keep tabs on that? And so that's one of the challenges there. But, yeah, the, if you're a fisherman, being around here in central Minnesota and, and just a, a few counties north, east, and west of here, pretty dang good, and we are, we're lucky and probably spoiled a little bit. Sometimes we forget. Recapping the Brainerd Lakes Fishing Summer with Mark Machigalupi, the Brainerd Area Fishery Supervisor. A lot more with Mark to come next. Hi, this is Chuck Hathie on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, doing my part to keep Kev Jackson employed for another year. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further. Hey, as Dip pointed out, everybody wants to visit Bemidji. You can live here. Come to Bemidji State University right here amidst the lakes and the forests of the Northwoods. And it's the only place in Minnesota where you can earn a four-year degree in aquatic biology. Hey, if you're listening to this show... Chances are you're at least somewhat interested in aquatic biology or the outdoors. This is the place. It's a state-of-the-art program. It embraces BSU's outdoor setting and offers high-tech lakeside facilities and and ample opportunity for research and a hands-on education. You can get an emphasis in fisheries biology, aquatic systems, or wetlands ecology. And by the way, we haven't even talked about wildlife biology. Is a biology education at Minnesota's premier Northwoods University the right fit for you? I bet it is. Check it out for yourself. Visit BemidjiState.edu. I'm Kevin Cochran, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country. Mark Batagalupe on the cast today. He is the Brainerd Area Fishery Supervisor. And Mark, do you have any idea how many people are fishing in the Brainerd Lakes area? 
<laughs> you know, that's number. those type of numbers are really tough to come by. One of the things you can do is do aerial counts of ice fishing houses in the winter. That's one way to do it. Now, the, the downside of that, so you can get a lot of data that way. The downside of that is you see houses that are unoccupied, and it's, it's hard to kind of gauge that. I mean, especially, especially these days where you can just have families camping out on the ice mm-hmm. for a week at a time. Um, but as you know, creel surveys are really expensive, and we've made a little bit of focus into the department in the last couple of years to do as many as we can uh, under budget constraints. And, and um, the most recent creel survey was on North Long that the Brainerd area conducted. Um, we, we have the expertise in our area to conduct those. The other places where it occurs a lot, of course, are the large lakes, Lake Mille Lacs, uh, Vermilion, Lake of the Woods, Red, any. Um, and, and so, yeah, uh, fishing, you know, fishing pressure is, you know, was really high, you know, historically high, or at least recent history high, you know, in 2020 and 2021, a little bit of a dip maybe here in 2022, but still probably, you know, in terms of license sales, still seeing strong numbers above, above pre 2020 numbers. So, yeah, I mean, um, Fishing pressure is still there in general. It's hard to measure. It's a little when when you don't have creel surveys going on, which is most of the time, it's a little bit more of a of an art to kind of getting a feel for that. And and dissecting fishing pressure from recreational pressure is is tough too because recreational pressure is just is high and seems like it'll always stay high here. Now you know, um, lots of things to do out there on the water around on the pontoon or uh, water ski or wakeboard or what or uh, wake ski which of course is a big one so <laughs> yeah well here's here's something I have talked to a lot of uh, guides and uh, and serious anglers about this year on the show uh, it was very controversial earlier this year when the muskies uh, pro muskie circuit got uh, rid of it uh, in tournament competition but a lot of talk about front-facing sonar and, and live scoping. Um, from your perspective as a biologist who studies this stuff, uh, do you think it's going to have an impact on harvest and, and, uh, and populations in the future? Oh, it's really an interesting topic. Um, if, if the question is, do I think DNR will make regulation changes, um, you know, I, I don't think that DNR will make... Um, this is my opinion, like just kind of seeing, looking out there. You know, I don't think that we would, you know, we're in the business of banning certain types of technology. Um, maybe in the future, if the prices came down and everybody was using those, you might have on a on a lake where that already has spegu- special regulations, you might have to tweak that regulation to make it a little bit more restrictive. I mean, that's possible, mm-hmm. but that's that's not any different than than what we do now, which is that we're, we're trying to watch populations as closely as we can and um, try and measure the harvest when we can in the, when we have the, the hard numbers to do it and make adjustments that still give people opportunity to go out there and, and get after it and, and still have the population be sustainable over the long term. And, you know, the various technological advances have come in over the years and, and we've said, well, man, it's going to make it real tough on those fish populations. And, you know, part of it is that the, the 90% uh, versus 10% rule is is maybe being, you know, escalated 
uh, you know, a sharper, sharper uh, division than there ever was, where the guys that have that best stuff up there are really doing well, and the guys that don't are are struggling. So, well, I, you know, we'll see. We, we've been pretty. I, I think I mentioned this to you in the past too. One of the things I'm always impressed with is uh, we're a pretty self-regulated bunch by and large when it comes to the anglers in Minnesota. Most anglers in Minnesota really do care about the fishery. Most anglers in Minnesota want that fishery to stay healthy. And there's been a lot of, uh, you know, self-regulated catch and release over the years. And, and of course, uh, some, you know, regulations as well. But I, I would think most Minnesotans would would uh, would self-regulate when it comes to this, too, as far as uh, not taking too much of advantage of it because and, 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 they don't want to hurt the fishery either. Well, that's a great point, and and what I've seen is the most avid fishermen that are spending the most time out there and are the best at it and have all the the gadgets are the most likely people to be releasing those fish. You know, yet they get a 16, 17, 18-inch walleye. They'll actually put that that walleye back in the water and and say, you know, hey, I'll see you next time. And uh, mm-hmm. you know that wasn't that's not always the case with. Um, um, average joe out there that only gets to fish out there uh a few times a year you know you're keeping that fish and there's nothing wrong with that and and uh a great shore lunch of walleye is uh, why people travel to minnesota in a lot of cases so i'm gonna keep that going well mark i know that every angler's got his secret spots even uh, even fisheries you know supervisors so i'm not going to ask you for any super secret spots of yours but um, what would you say is something that would surprise most people who aren't familiar with the Brainerd area as far as uh, fish you might have or lakes that are, that, that are surprisingly good that most people probably would say, really? Yeah, yeah, well, um, I mean, I guess it's, they're not, I will, I will get into that a little bit. I, for, as far as, you know, locations and not giving away specific ones, like I, I kind of, hinted at it before, but um, if you're into walleyes and uh, maybe you were a bass fisherman before or you're getting into bass fishing, fishing in those weeds um, is kind of the next frontier for the for an average walleye fisherman out there. Figure out how to do those, find those sparse edges where there's weeds, but you can still fish through them and it's not so thick. Or, or pick up some of those bass techniques, those bass tactics that... Um, where you're using artificials, and every time you rip off a weed, you aren't losing your bait. Um, that's that's been really interesting, and in, and in seeing that develop, especially in these uh, clear water fisheries here. Um, as far as some of the nice year classes we're seeing out there, um, Pelican has really has, Pelican Lake has been a, a tough lake to fish for. You know, maybe a ten-year period of time, and believe me, I've heard the complaints about it being a, such a classic great lake to be in throughout the 80s and 90s and 2000s. Um, that that lake is back. People know about it. People have been uh, out there, you know, and that's probably the feature lake right now. Um, the big the big walleyes on Gull are there, and now maybe some 16-inchers are showing up a little bit here as fall heats up. So Gull's still in good shape, uh, and... and um, and if the perch numbers come down a little or, you know, whatever the environmental factors are that make those turn on, you know, you're going to have good fishing there, too. Now, Edward might be the other one where you're, you know, talking about maybe a little bit of a surprise. 
Edward Lake, it's n- n- nothing to turn your nose up at at 2,000-some acres, um, which is a big lake in most most places in the world, um, in this small lake around here. Edward's been a really nice place, not just walleye, but pike and bass. Um, and so some people spend a little more time there than maybe they, they had in the last 10 years. Okay. Um, one of the things that is that I've noticed, of course, over the last 10 to 20 years is and it's the it's the right way to do it, of course, is that um, as we've learned about lakes and we've learned about fish and we've learned about the areas we live in, uh, there's been that um, you know that localization where we're we're doing regulations that fit this lake or this area, uh, you know, much more localized than that statewide thing. But you know, the last time there was a big statewide uh, look, it was you know looking at the panfish and uh, making adjustments around the state based on those waters. And, of course, before that, it was the northern. Are, are there any big statewide projects going on right now in the fisheries world? Well, um, it's it's not um, – we're not sure yet. Uh, we have uh, – we're kind of coming into the winter where we'd have those discussions on big statewide initiatives like that. I think we're still um, – Still letting the dust settle from the northern pike and panfish regulations that were that were statewide. And uh, remember, once we set once we set new regulations on those bodies of waters, we're we're obligated to go out there and make sure those are working. So we have a lot of work in front of us here in the next ten years to um, okay see are are we getting some of those twenty two to twenty six inch pike through the protected slot, and are, are those producing quality or trophy? fisheries on the other side or at least quality harvest opportunities of pike between you know 26 and 30 inches or does there need to be you know some more special regulations enacted um the same with the panfish regs where you have a a bag limit of five on on a a good number of water bodies in the state and finding that balance of having uh the old 20 rule or or some of those where it's five or if uh, there were other options that that were being pushed out there, so so yeah, plenty plenty of monitoring to do out there, and I, I can't say that they're that we're ready to come out with any other big statewide uh, regulation initiatives at this time. You you mentioned going over the next ten years. It's one of the things you know. We live in a world where if you're in the right you know metropolitan area, you can order something on Amazon, and the drone will deliver it within twenty minutes. Um, so we are we're not used to having to wait to figure stuff out but if you're in biology or or science or something like that you got to have patience because this stuff doesn't uh, doesn't resolve itself in you know a year or even two it it takes multiple years to see if something's actually working yeah you should be really careful in in fisheries biology probably other other uh fields as well about drawing conclusions before a 10-year period of time. And humans do push, um, do impact the, the world we're living in. Harvest impacts the, the, the fisheries populations. But it takes time. It takes time for those things to show up and for multiple generations of fish to be affected by um, the changes. So, yep, that's that's one of the tricky things that uh, one of the it, it can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. One of the good things is this is a great job to have to be studying these things. And uh, some of us have been around 20, 30 years uh, to see a few uh, 
a few decades of, of changes. Well, you noted at the outset that that you feel like the populations are good. It's just that they weren't really biting this year. So, I mean, if you had to give Brainerd Lakes area in general uh, a grade after this summer, what would it be right now? Well, with all the with all the different species out there, I still have to say A minus. The populations are good. The bite's been slow and and in a few places, but some of the new. Uh, some of the places that have been slow for a while are picking up again and, and rebounding. So, yeah, let's go with A minus. <laughs> okay, and again, you know, if uh, if you do a little hunting in the morning, you should take some time to uh, go out in the boat in the afternoon, uh, even during the hot hunting seasons, because it is also the best time to go fishing. Yeah, and we talk about those bite windows too. It's 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 super true in in clear water lakes we have around here that you've got to be there at the right time uh optimize your uh, plan your trips a little bit optimize your time out on the water and uh you'll uh, you'll be coming back with a smile mark batchigalupi is the brainerd area fishery supervisor giving us a rundown of what's going on on brainerd lakes mark we will check back in with you down the road once you've had a chance to crunch some numbers and look at some of these reports and be interesting to talk to you then and see how things are looking sounds good we'll be here Thanks, Mark. Appreciate your time today. All righty. Another great conversation with another really smart guest on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thank you for being here. Bye-bye.